0: Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, the first podcast episode of 2024. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, so first of all, I hope everyone had a wonderful New Year's Eve and happy 2024. We had a lot of college football and not a ton of anything else going on. So it is going to be mainly focused on NFL and college football this episode. So if you hate it, skip it. (laughs) But we're going to start a little bit with the NBA because this week, John Morant helped his team with a game winning alley-oop in overtime to beat the Pelicans on Tuesday. The Thunder then upset the Timberwolves and their powerhouse defense and put the beatdown on them winning by 23 the trailblazers also upset the Kings by 27 points on the exact same night mainly due to De'Aaron Fox's season high 43 points The Raptors beat the Wizards by 30, which is the largest margin of victory for the season for the team. The 76ers also won on Wednesday, not super noteworthy, but they did it without Embiid. Embiid was out for a sprained ankle, and this is the team's first win without him. They were actually 0-4 before that game. Then on Thursday, Nuggets star Jokic went perfect from the field and the line, going 11-for-11 and 3-for-3 from the line. That helped his team post their highest point total of the season with 142 to win over the Grizzlies. That was also Jokic's 12th triple-double, 116th of his career. It's his 12th of the season, his 116th of his career, making him the fourth in NBA history all-time. The Spurs then turn out their fifth win of the entire season after Wemby scored 30 points in less than 25 minutes. They beat the Trailblazers. And then rounding out the week, or at least the week that I made up, because it's this Tuesday, on Monday, the Jazz had their first triple-double since 2008. That accomplishment was done by Jordan Clarkston, who had 20 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. They also beat the Mavs 127-90. to Whoa. So also this week, super noteworthy, the Pistons hit the most consecutive losses of any team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL in modern day history with a streak of 27 losses in a row. They then took the Celtics into overtime on Thursday, and that should have felt like a victory in itself. However, they were leading by 18 at half, and by the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was tied. So they gave it all back. They would lose in a heartbreaker in overtime to make it 28 losses, but it does officially end there. The Detroit team beat the Raptors on the 30th to break the streak. Technically, the 28 losses is tied for the most consecutive losses in the NBA. That is only because the 76ers split their record over two different seasons so that's why you see it's two different ones there so the 27 in modern history is all in one season the 28 is tied in the nba for just consecutive losses in general the 76ers split there's like i said 2014 2015 season and then 2015 2016 season they were one shy of all time all leagues but that was again not during modern times it was back during world war ii that was set by the chicago cardinals All in all, a horrible streak finally coming to an end, and I'm sure they would agree it's 28 games too many. Moving along to NCAA, there were not a lot of upsets this week, so um, there were none until Friday and not a lot of games really until later in the week. Anyway, number 13, Gonzaga lost to San Diego State by 10. I use upset loosely here as San Diego State was ranked earlier this season, but the double digit loss was their biggest at home since 2012. Number seven, FAU may have reached their highest ranking in school history, but it is not likely to go higher after they lost to Florida Gulf Coast. No one even knows their mascot. It's the Eagles, and they had a losing record. So this one, this loss is just plain shameful for FAU. We then had a great top 25 matchup between number 10 Marquette and number 22 Creighton. After a slow start, only scoring 28 in the first half, Marquette pulled out a 44 point second half to win by five. Then Sunday, we only had one upset and it was a shocker. Number four, Arizona lost by 18 to a six and six Stanford team. The Cardinal put up 56 points in the second half. It helps that they did also have their school record 16 three pointers. Gonzaga, believe it or not, is still ranked even after losing to unranked San Diego State. That takes their active streak, the ranked streak, to 142 weeks consecutively. This week, Purdue does remain at number one. Houston is still undefeated, but they still only stay at number three. And as I indicated, FAU did fall from seven to 17. Moving along, like I said, mostly college football and mostly NFL. So moving on to NCAA college football, it was absolutely amazing. We're going to start with the festivities from last night that made me stay up till past midnight, which is why I did not do the podcast yesterday. So starting with the CFP finals because they were absolutely amazing. We're going to start with the first one, the number one, Michigan versus number four, Alabama and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. And we had Two straight punts to start the game. But then when Michigan punted theirs, they actually muffed it and Bama recovered. So naturally, Bama drew first blood with a touchdown. So up 7-0. Then Michigan scores right back. You'll notice that theme throughout the entire night. (laughs) But then we had a bunch of nothing possessions before Michigan did eventually score again with just 3.49 to go in the half. But they missed their extra point. Then Bama got a field goal, and we go into the locker room. 13-10, Michigan leads. We would not have another score, though, until the end of the third quarter when Bama puts a touchdown on the board. Bama now leading 17-13. But... They fumble on the very next possession. Michigan missed that field goal, though, after that fumble recovery, so they get no points. Then Bama gets a field goal. Now they're up 20-13 to in the final five minutes. This is where I frankly thought Bama had it. I mean, it is Nick Saban. He is the GOAT of coaching for a reason. I called them to win the national championship preseason, and this is where I thought it would come to show and come to fruition. Michigan had literally not scored since the first half, but they only needed eight plays to go 75 yards and they tie up the game. Bama then punts it back after only 40 seconds, taking it off the clock and some wonky snaps. That was kind of a theme throughout the night. Bad, bad special teams for Michigan and some bad snaps for Bama, which of course distracts your quarterback. Michigan then gets the ball with 54 seconds left, but Michigan's punt returner muffs the kick and retreats back five yards to the one. Now it's just looking like Bama's defense. All they have to do is get that safety, which means you tackle a Michigan runner or quarterback with the ball in their hands in the end zone. And frankly, wouldn't put it against Bama's defense to do that. So really at this point, the Wolverines were going to go for the jugular with 54 seconds left, but now they just try to survive. So, the, Michigan, the Wolverines give it to their big and now healthy running back, Blake Corum, who muscles through to get to the two-yard line, and they kneel it, and we go to overtime for just the third time ever in a, in a CFP semifinal. It then only took Michigan two plays in overtime, again running with Blake Corum to get their touchdown. Fitting that Corum would be the one to get that final score for Michigan. And then it was Bama's turn. And we get, they do get to first and goal, but just frankly couldn't do it. They, again, it was kind of weird, funky snaps. And at one point on fourth down, they do run it with, with uh, Milroe, who I literally called the play as I was watching it. It's what I would have called. It made total sense, but probably should have been a road pass option. And he could have actually chosen to run it. But they fall short on fourth down. And so, therefore, Michigan advances. Moving on to our other semifinal, which was the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. And it was number two, Washington versus number three, Texas. And that game was also back and forth. We literally were tied at the end of the first quarter and at the end of the second quarter. We were tied 21-21 at half. Washington looked like they were going to put it away and just stomp on Texas's throat. And they just couldn't manage it. Like they muffed a punt after a beautiful three and out in the first half, giving Texas a short field that then led to a Texas touchdown. Texas had success running the ball at the beginning of the first half, but for some reason wanted to throw against Washington's amazing throwing defense. Even though the Texas O-line was literally opening up holes for their run game, Texas's O-line and Texas in general outweighs Washington. So it kind of made no sense to me that they didn't want to run the game. I think they probably wanted to go toe to toe and have this shootout with Washington. And frankly, I just think it was not the right call for them. Washington then looked to have this game put away after the third quarter, they were leading by 13 as they were the only ones to score in the third quarter. And they were leading by 13 with 14 minutes to go in the game and got a fumble on the next possession. Everything coming up Huskies over here. However, That's when Texas found that magic that they had just found so many times this year to escape in literally every game but one. The Horns went 72 yards in 10 plays, scoring a touchdown. Washington only up by six. Then Washington gets a field goal, lead back up to nine. Then Texas gets a field goal, lead back down to six. Washington then gets the ball back, and we are in the final minute and nine seconds of the game. And they are running out the clock. They're running it with their running back, Johnson. However, Johnson, after second down, third down, goes down for an injury, and that stops the clock. So that gives Texas another timeout, and it stops the clock earlier than it would have if they had just let the clock run like they were planning to. So Texas gets the ball back with 45 seconds left to drive down the field, only down six. So a touchdown would win it all with that extra point. Washington then punts the ball. They play soft and let the Texas Longhorns get all the way down to the 12 with 15 seconds left. Average play usually lasts about eight seconds, but you can get it off pretty quick if you're a quick passer. So we do have first down was complete for a loss of a yard. Next down, which was second down, was incomplete. Frankly, just a bad pass by Quinn Ewers. Third down was almost a sack, so Washington gets to Quinn Ewers, but Ewers gets the ball off in time to make it an incomplete. The clock actually turned to, and the score turned to final, but the refs added another second. As it turns out, he actually went incomplete and down before that final second ticked off the board. So they put it back on the board and frankly... I thought this was it. I thought this was just the natural occurrence and Texas was just going to be that destiny team and they throw it in the end zone where Washington's passing defense slams it to the ground. It was literally going to be in the Texas wide receivers hands and they slam it. So Washington escapes and goes to their national championship. Both Michigan and Washington look to be the better team in their games, but had their fair share of mistakes almost giving up both of their games. It is anyone's game in the national championship on Monday where they will be playing in Houston, Texas. Those were by far the best bowl games of the entire season. Frankly, and I just wasn't that impressed with the rest of bowl season. So we're going to have a couple categories. The first one, the not-so-close games. Texas A&M played number 20 Oklahoma State and it would have been a good game except that the Aggies lost their quarterback on the first play of the game and that was already their third string quarterback. They still played relatively well but did ultimately lose 23 to 31. So that was actually a closer game than it should have been and but still it was just not a great game to watch. UNC then was beat badly by West Virginia in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. The Tar Heels lose by 20. Iowa did what it does best. They didn't score. Number 21, Tennessee, shut out number 17, Iowa in the Cheez It Bowl, which was supposed to be a good matchup. They lost 35 to 0. Another route was the Sun Bowl, where number 16, Notre Dame, opened a can of whoop ass on the number 18, Oregon State Beavers. The Fighting Irish win 40 to 8. Thursday, December 28th was probably by far the best overall day for bowl games, not only because my team was playing in it, but as far as like entertaining games, the Fenway Bowl was a home game for Boston College, who took on future ACC rival SMU. The Mustangs were leading up until the fourth quarter when the Eagles put up 13 straight points and win the game. Rutgers Miami was also back and forth in the pinstripe bowl. Rutgers did get the better of Miami, though, winning by a touchdown. The Alamo Bowl is usually a shootout, and this one kind of was. Number 14 versus number 12, Oklahoma was the highest ranked versus ranked matchup outside of the New Year's six bowl games. Arizona drew first blood and frankly, the only blood in the first quarter, putting up 10 points. But the Sooners came back with the lead 24-13 going into the final two minutes of the third quarter. And frankly, after that, it was all Wildcats. They get a scoop and score to kick it off and add another 10 points to beat the Sooners 38-24. to The big story here was that OU had six turnovers in this game, three interceptions by their new franchise quarterback, basically, and three fumbles. So you were just not going to win a game with that many turnovers. And the Wildcats got 28 points off of those turnovers. So... But the highlight and maybe all of bowl season was the new Pop Tarts Bowl, which was number 25 K State versus number 18 NC State. And frankly, the highlight was not even the game. K State did end up winning. It was a decent game, 28 to 19. And both teams end their season nine and four. But the best part was the edible mascot, which they promised at the beginning. And it was literally a strawberry filled Pop Tart. So I have included a link for that on the blog. So check that out. The So as far as bowl season goes, the actually entertaining games, unranked USC played number 15 Louisville in the Holiday Bowl, and it was basically a coming out party for Trojans quarterback Miller Moss, who threw for six touchdowns, which is a Holiday Bowl record. USC did their work in the second quarter, scoring 21 points alone in that quarter. Every other quarter, both USC and Louisville put up seven points. Louisville scored seven in every quarter. USC wins 42-28 The Gator Bowl was also a great game. That was a ACC-SEC clash between number 22, Clemson, and Kentucky. Kentucky was leading going into the fourth quarter, but then we had 42 points scored in that quarter all by themselves. 28 points of that was Clemson, and they take the win by three. It was a crazy end to that game. Then some odd bowl games. Kansas versus UNLV was a decent game. The Jayhawks won 49-36 to 36 after their backup quarterback, Bean, went off. We knew that. He's been a backup quarterback for a while, but he is also very experienced as their main starter always gets injured. He threw six touchdowns for 449 yards, although he did throw three interceptions. KU was also called for 18 penalties during that game, just all over the place. Even UNLV had a bunch, too and KU had only been called for 55 penalties all season long and they were called for 18 in that game alone. That was also Kansas's first bowl game since win since 2008. Sticking with streaks, Minnesota won their bowl game against Bowling Green 30 to 24. That was their 7th straight win in a bowl game, the longest record in the FBS. And I can honestly say the Barstool Arizona Bowl was the weirdest game I have ever watched. And I mean this broadcast-wise. It was, frankly, just... Odd. I didn't think it was well done, but the game was good. It came down to the final second as Toledo was winning the entire time with a very odd score of 15 because they did get a safety. Wyoming didn't get their first touchdown until 837 left in the game. Then they got the ball back one more time where they got into field goal range with the help of some penalties as well as their own recovered fumble. And they just needed to kick a 24-yarder to win their head coach's final game with the team and final game before he retires. They manage it. Literally, the broadcaster was like, was like, if we don't get this field goal, it'll be a tragedy. It was just weird words were used. The calls were weird. They didn't quite understand, I think, what was going on. Like I said, it was a very weird broadcast. But the game was awesome. Wyoming wins on a last-second field goal for their coach's final game. Then we get to the New Year's Six Bowl games, and they were just not great either. To no one's surprise, number eight, Oregon, destroyed number 23, Liberty. Granted, it was closer than I thought for the first quarter when Liberty was leading, but in the second quarter, Oregon put up 28 points by itself. They ultimately won 45-6. to six. In the Cotton Bowl, between number nine, Mizzou, and number seven, Ohio State, even that was boring. Ohio State got a field goal in the first quarter, and that was the only score the Buckeyes had. That is the lowest score ever put up in the Ryan Day era. Mizzou wouldn't put up any points until the very end of the game in the fourth quarter, and there were 16 punts and no 65-yard field goal attempts, although they did run out the thicker kicker, but he did not actually get to attempt that field goal. Mizzou beats Ohio State. The Peach Bowl was good. But not great. Number 11, Ole Miss, was only up by three at half. But frankly, they just had control of this game. Number 10, Penn State, would get beat ultimately 38-25. to And then in the Orange Bowl, number 6, Georgia, killed number 5, Florida State, by 60 points. Now, I want to make myself very clear. This should not be a justification on why Florida State should not have made the college football playoff. Why, you may ask? That is because of the 57 touchdowns that the Noles put up this season. Only eight touchdowns were accounted for by players that actually played in this game. Florida State had everyone out all over the place. Their quarterback was their third string, four, maybe even fourth string quarterback. It was crazy. Georgia had one opt-out that I can think of, and it was their big tight end um, who everybody knew, so he is going to go in the first round of the draft, so he did opt-out. However, everyone else on Georgia pretty much played, so not what I would use on justifying why Florida State should not have been in. It did also make a nice justification on why you think Georgia is one of the best four teams in the country, but bowl games should not be a justification on why Anyone is in the college football playoff just due to opt-outs and all of that. So that wraps up college football. Now moving on to NFL Thursday night, football was a great showing by the Browns who have had a miraculous turnaround to their season and are now eligible for the playoffs. Joe Flacco threw three touchdowns for 309 yards to win 37 to 20 over the Jets. We also had a special session of Monday night football that they kept saying, but it was on Saturday between the Cowboys and the Lions, who were both above 10 wins and already in playoffs. So it was going to be a great matchup. We were tied 10-10 going into the fourth quarter. Then the ending got crazy. Dallas scored a touchdown to go up 17-13 in the final 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Then Detroit was driving in the final 2 minutes and 32 seconds, but threw an interception. So it looked like that would be it, right? Game over. But then the Cowboys. And so then the Cowboys tacked on another field goal to go up by 7. Jared Goff then had a minute 41 to go the full length of the field, needing a touchdown to tie it up. They managed to go 75 yards in nine plays and they don't settle for the tie. They go for the win and the two point conversion. Quarterback Goff throws the ball to offensive tackle Taylor Decker who catches it in the end zone for a successful two point conversion and looks like the Lions win. However, that play was then called back for a penalty ineligible touching because Decker did not declare himself as a wide receiver. What that means is if you are usually an offensive lineman (laughs) or an offensive tackle in this case, you have to say you are going to be a receiver so that people know basically to guard you. So, and he did not do that. You actually go to the ref and say, I am declaring. You literally, there's been plenty of videos that have come out since this game of Goff going up to him and being like, don't forget to declare. He apparently did forget to declare. So. It not only gets taken back, but they also have to go five yards further because you get a penalty. So then Dallas, uh, then a Dallas player jumped off sides. So it was a free play. It was unsuccessful, but we go again. The Lions get those five yards back. Finally, third time is the charm. Goff threw a pass and it was low and incomplete. So Dallas does get the W. Also, the night really just belonged to Cowboys wide receiver Ceedee Lamb as he got 200 yards alone by himself and becomes the franchise record holder for the most receptions and most receiving yards in a single season for any Cowboy in history. They are still unbeaten at home this season, and that opens up the door for Dallas to win their division with an Eagles loss. So let's go ahead and start the next section with that. The Eagles did, in fact, lose in a huge upset to the 3-12 and Cardinals. They were winning 21-6 at half and were, frankly, just dominating, but they stalled out and Arizona turned it on. They scored 29 points in the second half and their 15 points in the third quarter were the only points scored in that quarter alone. Then we were in the final five minutes of the game, and we had three scores, but only one was an Eagles field goal, and that's what cost them. Arizona wins by four, and the Eagles now have four losses in their last five games. For the rest of the weekend, there were seven close games, including two we obviously just talked about. The Giants then gave the Rams a surprising run for their money, considering that they are 5-10. and 10. The game was back and forth, with literally only one score being back-to-back for the Giants, and that was a 94-yard punt return for a touchdown. How often do you see that also in the NFL? Not very often. The New York team attempted the two-point conversion to go for the win, but it failed. Then the Rams went three and out and punted it back to the Giants, who then went 29 Nine yards to get sort of in field goal range. Their kicker missed the 54-yard field goal to win, so the Rams escape. The Bills also escaped the Pats, who managed to score 21 points for only the fourth time all season. The Bills do win by six. The Colts also had a close one as well with the Raiders in another game with the backup quarterback nobody knows. Jonathan Taylor got the better of Aiden O'Connell. Taylor was the leading rusher with 96 yards to help the Colts win 23-20. The Steelers then put away the Seahawks by a touchdown. The Seattle team is now 8-8. Eight and eight as are the Broncos, who beat the Chargers 16-9. There was only one touchdown in this entire game, and it was by the Broncos, which was enough to win, even with Russell Wilson getting benched for this game. The Chargers only managed to score three field goals. Then the Panthers, these are the not-so-close games. The Panthers were shut out by the Jags, losing 26-0. to Yikes. The Texans also put on an impressive performance with the return of their quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He came back from concussion protocol. They beat the Titans 26 to three. The Saints put away the Bucs early, leading 20 to zero. The Bucs did score 13 points, but all in garbage time, literally the final eight minutes of the game just to make that game score look better than it actually was. The Bears came out hot, putting up 21 points in the first half and never let it get close. Chicago wins over the Falcons by 20. The Commanders only scored 10 points all game, losing to the 49ers 27 to 10. The Packers handled the Vikings, putting up 23 points in the first half. They ultimately won 33 to 10 with the only Minnesota touchdown coming in the fourth quarter. But the most impressive route of the weekend was a huge surprise. The Dolphins-Ravens game was supposed to be a great matchup as both teams have over 11 wins this season. The Ravens had other ideas, though. They put up 56 points, and that outscored the Dolphins 19 to win by 37. That secures the Baltimore team as the number one seed in the AFC going into playoffs. Then to round it out, the struggling Chiefs were trailing at halftime 13-17 to 17 to the Bengals, but the Bengals were done scoring at first half, so the Chiefs were not. Kansas City added four field goals to win 25-17. That W secures them the AFC West as we move forward. Little bit of Olympic news, and I'm just going to touch on skiing. Michaela Schifrin won her 92nd and 93rd title this week. I know you missed the skiing updates here. Her 92nd World Cup title was the in the giant slalom. Her first win of that, of that discipline this season, she built a big lead in the first run, and she frankly coasted on the second run to still win. Her time on the second run was literally 17th fastest. It was that conservative. Her next title was the very next day in her signature event, the slalom, and it looked like it. She won handily by 2.34 seconds over the next competitor. This was also her seventh victory in her last eight slalom starts. All right, so that pretty much wraps it up on what happened over the last week. Like I said, it was lots of football, but now let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week. And we're going to start with the NBA NBA Wednesdays is going to become a thing. You will always see an NBA game on ABC on Wednesday. So Wednesday, the Bulls take on the Knicks at 7.30 on ABC, followed by the Heat at the Lakers at 9 on ESPN. Thursday, the Bucks take on the Spurs at 6.30 p.m. on TNT, and then the Nuggets take on the Warriors at 9. On Friday on ESPN, the Knicks, again, uh, will take on the 76ers this time at 6.30, and then the Grizzlies take on the Lakers at 9.00 lots of college basketball gets back under action in action this week. So, but we don't have a ranked versus ranked game until Friday, number 9 Illinois at number 1 Purdue, so a big matchup in the Big 10. They will play at 7.30 on Fox Sports 1. Then we've got two on Saturday, number 8 UNC at number 18 Clemson. So that's an ACC matchup at 11 a.m. on ESPN 2. And then the SEC, number 22 Ole Miss takes on number 5 Tennessee at 5 p.m. on SEC Network. This week for the women, we do have a bunch of ranked games. I believe it's five, four, five of them. It's five of them. On Wednesday, number 12, UConn takes on 21, Creighton at 6, followed by 23, TCU at 6, Baylor. They will take each other on at 7. That will be on ESPN+. They hate each other. In the ACC, Thursday, number 22, Florida State versus number three, NC State. They will play at six on ACC Network X, so that's like ESPN+. Plus. Saturday, number 10, Texas takes on 24, West Virginia. They will play at one on ESPN+. Plus. And then Sunday, NC State, another game, very tourist ranked game, so they just have a killer week this week. Good thing they're ranked number three. They take on number 13, VTech, on Sunday at 11 a.m. That will be on ACC Network. For college football, no games. Obviously, bowl season, all of that is over. The only game that is left is next Monday. That is the national championship for the college football playoff. Number one, Michigan versus number two, Washington. They will play at 630 on ESPN. Like I said earlier, it will be in Houston, Texas. Michigan is currently favored by four and a half with an over under of 55 and a half. In the NFL, it is the last week of the regular season, so we only have games on Saturday and Sunday. Starting on Saturday, the Steelers at the Ravens at 3.30 on ESPN and ABC, followed by the Texans at the Colts at 7.15 on the same channel. Then on Sunday, we have six games at noon on CBS or Fox. The CBS games are the Browns at the Bengals, the Jags at the Titans, and the Falcons at the Saints. The Fox games are the Vikings at the Lions, the Jets at the Pats, and the Bucks at the Panthers. Then we have seven games at 325 on CBS and Fox. The CBS games are the Bears at the Packers, the Eagles at the Giants, and the Chiefs at the Chargers. The Fox games are the Broncos at the Raiders, the Seahawks at the Cardinals, the Rams at the 49ers, and the Cowboys at the Commanders. And finally, Sunday Night Football, the Bills take on the Dolphins for the final game of the regular season at 7.20. That will be on NBC. The next week will be wildcard games. Also, the PGA Tour gets back in action this week for the first tournament of the 2024 season. Thursday, the Century, round one, will be at 5 p.m. on Golf Channel. It's actually in Hawaii. That's why it's so late. Then catch round two on Friday, same time. Saturday, the round three, you can catch at 3 p.m. on NBC, and then it goes to Golf Channel at 5. Same goes for Sunday for the final round, 3 p.m. on NBC, and then 5 on Golf Channel. Hockey is on this week, just two games. Wednesday for the NHL, the Devils at the Capitals at 6.30 on TNT. Then Thursday, the Penguins at the Bruins at 6 on ESPN. Just like college football season, that wraps it up for me this week. I will actually be in Houston for national championship festivities before the game, but should be back for Monday's normal weekly update. So I should be back on schedule. As always, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports for more. And welcome 2024. I'll catch y'all next week.